Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Option Plus podcast. In the, this episode, I'm going to talk about Lunar Punk and Dark Forest, which is a form of uh, parallel economy using cypherpunk technologies. It's a recording from Hackers Congress Parallel Police that happened in October 2023 beginning of October, end of September. And that's when it always happened. It has been 10th annual edition of this Congress. And I think it is probably the only crypto anarchist conference in the world. What I learned there, or one idea that I would like to leave you with was from talk by amazing Paul Rosenberg, who is the author of free men's perspective and he was talking about freedom why does it always slide backwards and he said that we as drivers in the cars of our lives should be always looking forward always trying to see where we are going to and not what we are leaving in the rearview mirror of course the rearview mirror which is which should show us the old system, the politics, the politicians, the polarization and tribes and all these things. We should we should be able to perceive it because it can ride fast and bump into us, although it doesn't usually ride fast. But really what we should be focused on is where we are going. How does it look? What we are trying to create and drive towards that. So... Many people have been disappointed with politics of the old world and with all this craziness. And I think that uh, this idea is great. Okay, let's know about it enough so we can safely drive towards where we're going, but don't spend too much time in political arguments and and discussions and just look forward and try to see where we're going. So with this, I leave you to the talk, which is called Welcome to the Dark Forest Path Towards Resistance. Thank you. <laughs> so I really liked Amir's presentation about the manifesto, about domestication, about civilization and what it, what it means to have an advanced society. So my question is, okay, so the, this HCPP is called resistance. So first, what do we resist? And then what are we going to replace it with? And is it already there? Do we need to build it from scratch? Or what, what is actually the goal here? So right now we have this promise of, of liberal democracies, which says, okay, if you have a, a liberal democracy and kind of uh, free interactions, then you will have beautiful things like cities with streets and shops and prosperity and everything will grow and everything will be good. Of course, we would probably like to resist uh, some strong authoritarian regimes, but the promise right now is adopt this model of liberal democracy and then you will have good things. So what it boils down to, 
there's this focus on the rules. So we should demo democratically agree on what rules we will apply universally. So this universality is very important. And if the rules are good, we will create this paradise on earth or at least prosperity and peace. Good rules are also supposed to prevent evil things from happening. So theft, murder, poverty and all these bad things, you know, if there are rules about them and if they're enforced, then, then we will have a good life without all these things that we want to avoid. Of course, we conveniently define that state violence is not violence and taxation is not theft and all these other things, but let that slide, you know, nice democracy and we will prevent these evil things from happening. What usually happens is that when the society is rich enough, we will create rules to take the wealth of the society and give it to those who need it. So it's a, the need-based society and, of course, the, the democratically elected maintainers of the society are going to do the redistribution. So this is the, the promise. What happened? Okay, so this is Dubai, not a liberal democracy kind of looks like a place that is prosperous. And maybe if you go to a hospital in Dubai, it will probably look much better than a hospital in Prague or Germany or many other countries that have liberal democracy. So they have rules, they enforce them, but they don't make them in a democratic manner. This is Guangzhou, so here the rules are not even enforced and this also looks like civilization, not unlike the first picture that I created with AI. This is Shenzhen, the factory of the world. Also doesn't look like many people imagine it and you have, a, at least for some people, prosperity that was reached in a very different way than the, the recipe of the West of, uh, of liberal democracy. This is, this is Riyadh in, in Saudi Arabia, same thing. Very different ideas about how society should look and the result is prosperity. So, of course, the difference is, okay, you can say Saudi Arabia has oil, so they can, you know, dig the prosperity out of, out of the ground. Dubai, by the way, has less than 1% of GDP from oil. So Dubai doesn't have much oil at all. In, in China, it is an extortion of the productive people, of the productive power of the, of the people. So these are, I'm not saying that these are nice ways how you can reach prosperity. But it doesn't mean that liberal democracy is the only way how you can reach this. On the other hand, there are several problems with this approach of let's elect people to create rules and enforce them so we can have good things. First of all, should same rules apply for people in Prague and Brno? Why? Is there, is there a reason or is it just an arbitrarily drawn border that, that, that kind of makes this a necessity? Uh, what about how they are created? So if we believe this story of voting and democracy and majority, wh why should the majority basically decide how we should live our lives? I'm not a majority, I'm an individual and I don't agree with many of the rules and if I'm not doing 
evil things that I mentioned? Why should, why should the rules that I don't agree with apply to my personal private life if I'm not, not harming anyone? I really like, for example, in Bitcoin that you don't have majority, you have 100% consensus. If you are part of the Bitcoin network, you have to agree with the rules and it's 100% agreement of the rules. We have seen with the fork of Bitcoin Cash what happens when people don't agree on the rules and they, they can create their own network with different rules that also 100% of users agree with and people can, people can decide which network they participated in. So even I, I don't think that, that people, <laughs> people understand uh, this, but Bitcoiners are probably millions of people right now and they 100% agree on the rules if they decide voluntarily to use the system. So it's definitely more people than Czech Republic or Slovakia. And yet these people can agree on rules or actually discover them. So my next point is that these rules, they should not be invented. We should not write them in parliament and pass them and, you know, then, then comply. It's the same as with uh, physical laws, uh, for example, uh, the, the, the laws of gravity. We have discovered them. We didn't need to invent them. We just needed to notice them and see, okay, this is how the world works. So we should be able to discover the rules that work the best. And one of the ways we can do it, we can say, okay, you guys have different rules. I have different rules. Let's see what works better in our situation. And it might be both actually, because some rules work better for someone and other rules uh, work someone else. So in this case, what is absent in the liberal democracy is quick feedback. We need competition, we need discovery, we need a way for the bad rules to go bankrupt. Not only, uh, you know, voted away every four years or, or anything like that. We need to make sure that every time we decide to apply the rule, there's a competition and we can, we can say, okay, this rule doesn't make sense. We can forget it. So. How could it work that, that we have a 100% consensus and discovery? And I think if we focus more on contracts, which are rules that are mutually agreed by the contracting parties, we have, first of all, 100% consensus. All the people that sign the contract agree with the rules written in that contract. And we can customize the rules, you know, the rules that apply for a, for a butcher and a phone repair shop can be completely different. And they can even be different for each customer because some customer might be high risk of not paying. So we want a payment in advance. Some customer wants a discount because they, because they are like a big customer and they, they buy often or, or something like that. So. So discovery of these contractual rules, by the way, these are also discovered. How does it work? You know, I have contract with my mobile phone operator, but if I don't like what the contract says and there's a different mobile phone operator, I can decide to switch over and people are discovering, okay, for this type of customer, me as an individual, for example, this set of rules doesn't make sense and I give immediate feedback. I switch who I pay every month to a different provider. So 
That's about rules. The problem with rules is also that we are not robots. We, we should not be programmed by following rules. So actually, many, in many cases, we don't even need any kind of rules. How can thousands of rules, like hundreds or thousands of pages of rule, rules apply to all of us? It doesn't make sense. No one, even, even lawyers, even people who whose livelihood is, you know, navigating in this set of rules, they don't know them by heart. And they, when you ask them a question, they say, okay, I will get back to you tomorrow because I need to read the law because uh, it's not possible to remember everything. So I think that a better approach is if you see that an important rule is broken, you broken, you can, you can tell the person, okay, you just broke a rule that we agreed on. But if it doesn't happen, we can forget about the rules. So if, if, uh, if it happens a few times, we can just, just kind of mentally clean up all this baggage of rules that are not used. So do the rules and the promise of liberal democracy actually create the, the civilization, the prosperity and all the good things, or is it something else? So what is a better approach? We use it daily. So good news is it's already here. It's not something that we need to discover and find out. It's constantly forming and adjusting mutually vol voluntary relationships that has the 100% agreement, that has the discovery, the feedback, and it doesn't need to be based on the rules, actually. So for example, if I have a friend who is constantly late, that would be me, actually, but let's say it's someone else. <laughs> and that means that doesn't keep agreements. If, uh, if uh, the friend says uh, he'll be somewhere at 1 p.m. and he's late, we can do several things. We can just adapt to reality. Okay, I'll, I'll come one hour late too, because I know he's gonna be late anyway. So no, no reason to be on time myself. Or will I just be pissed and see him less? Will I just call him for a meeting less often and the friendship will fade out? Or do we make a rule? If he's late, he'll pay the bill and I get free dinners every time we, we meet and then I can actually meet more often. But what is interesting is that most of the time we don't even have explicit rules for this. We discover it. We say, okay, now it's bothering me. It happened three times, so let's do something about it. But it doesn't need to be decided in advance. We, we, we are just discovering what's going to happen. And so the rules are good for, for covering the unpredictable downside. You know, the contracts are written for bad times, not for normal relationships. So except for unpredictable and I would say significant downside, we don't need to have rules. We can just adapt to reality as it, as it comes and as it's happening to us. So contracts in voluntary re relationships, so I'm not talking about the bullshit social contract or whatever, are individualized, 100% consensus, there's no majority vote and they're discovered all the time and competing. So we have rapid feedback. So, dark forest. So, what is the dark forest? What is this place that, that we are discovering and describing where these voluntary relationships happen on a peer-to-peer -peer basis? Is it big? Does it already exist? Or is it just some, someone's imaginations? That would be Rachel's probably. <laughs> Or, or what is it? How do we get there? You know, is it, is it important or is it, was it there all, all along and so? So 
So dark forest is a lunar punk concept that that focuses on these peer-to-peer -peer interactions without third parties and also focuses on anonymity or privacy, but I would say anonymity. And that allows it to stay without third parties, because if the interaction is encrypted, not seen, anonymous, then, then you can exclude the third parties who would want to change the relationships, change the contracts and change the interactions in the, in the dark forest. So I was trying, first of all, to look at the shadow economy, because shadow economy is peer-to-peer -peer interaction. So if you have a plumber and you pay them cash and no one knows about the transaction, it's, in my opinion, part of the dark forest because you encrypted it by making it happen inside of your apartment, of your house. No one else saw the interaction and no one can actually kind of enter as a third party and say that you should do some things. So I tried to see if there is a way to understand how big is this parallel economy. But because it's a dark forest, no one really knows. And even the studies that are there have a more margin of error than, than actual information. But I looked at one, one study, the, the shadow economy from 2013 by Schneider and Williams. As you can see the range, they estimate 8 to 8 to 30% in OECD countries. So these are not, you know, backwards coconut countries in Africa where everyone is, you know, dealing under the table. These are advanced developed civilized countries with liberal democracies more most often 25 to 40% in less developed countries. I would say yeah, these numbers are, are very <laughs> very hard to hard to actually justify or or I, I wouldn't call this science it's it's advanced guesstimate I would say for me I assume that Czech and Slovak Republic would be more than 20 percent of GDP they estimate that Nordic countries are 15 percent I included Nordic countries because they are the hallmark of liberal democracy you know this is how it should look you know go to Sweden Sweden is like this is how liberal social democracy works. Everyone loves to pay taxes there. So 15%, not even the bottom of the range. And I really like this sentence. Uh, they say that more than half of the population of Den Denmark buys in the shadow economy. So if the plumber comes, they say, oh, can I get a discount if I don't need an invoice? More than half of the interaction, more than half of the people shop in the shadow economy. I made these slides a few a few days ago, and I think yesterday I read a report in Slovakia where they were checking the the seasonal businesses like mobile cafeterias, uh, restaurants, and things that that blossom in summer <laughs> and spring and summer. And they did more than 1,500 checks where they, where they tried to buy something and they wanted to see if they get a receipt. 55% of these interactions received a fine for some reason, most often that they didn't get the receipt, the, the tax enforcer. enforcer. So 55% of the businesses know that if they don't pay the taxmen, they have a competitive advantage. 
Of course, uh, there's a selection bias. They didn't check Tesco or whatever, Apple or a corporation. So they, they probably knew where to go in order to maximize the, the harvest of fines, which were average of 238 euros. So they probably make, made the fine back in like three days, I would guess, in taxes, not paid. So this is happening a lot, you know, this is not a small thing that some lunar punks imagine in their head, but this is happening every day and it's already here. It's interesting though, because when we read news and when we talk about businesses and countries and all these things, we, we tend to look at the big things, you know, what are the apples? What is the USA, you know, is, is USA or China bigger, you know, what about Volkswagen? You know, they employ a lot of people. What about Deutsche Bank? We, we always focus on the, on the big things. But what is interesting is that in the dark forest, there is a long tail of small projects that are niche. They serve their customers really well. So these are tradesmen, craftsmen, programmers, small farms, small businesses, restaurants, cafeterias, and so on. And this, this distribution is governed by power law. So uh, we don't, we, because we can't see the dark forest, we don't know exactly what it is because we don't see the tail. We only see the corporations because they publish annual reports and GDP statistics for the countries and so on. But, but the long tail has to be quite big. So my, another question, okay, now, now we have a grasp of what these, uh, what this dark forest look, looks like in terms of GDP, which is, I, I don't have a percentage, but it's a significant power. It's a significant part of the business. What about the large companies? Because we have those in the dark forest as well, at least those that were not shut down by the state. And in order for them to survive, they need to be resilient and resistant against the state. So they, there's a form of project resistance as well. So we all know about the projects that didn't make, make it, such as Tornado Cash. But what about the projects that are operating currently and they're serving their customers? So I looked at these three. These are collateralized loan providers that we maybe all use and love. And I'm not looking at, at tokens. I'm not looking at, uh, you know, how many invented tokens they issued and, you know, what's, what's the market share of that. I'm looking at the value locked as a collateral in order to be able to, to take out a loan. So Awe is $4.5 billion with a B. MakerDAO is roughly five and liquidity is $650 million. I chose these at random because these are the projects that I know that exist and some of them I have used in the past. So this is not top three or anything. I just say, okay, let's look at these three random companies or companies, software projects, depends, they don't have a business registration. So how big is it? So altogether it's 10 something billion dollars. And then I looked, okay, billions here, billions there. How can I compare it with something real? Because now, you know, governments and central banks are printing trillions. So we don't <laughs> even know what it means. So how do we compare it to something? So I have found that in Slovakia, the collective investment market, so all the funds and all, all these things are roughly the same size. It's a little bit bigger, but if I include one more of these projects, it will be much more. So 
What is interesting that these projects, because they are doing collateralized loans, they all print dollars, basically, because a stablecoin made in this way is basically a printed euro dollar, which is what every commercial bank will give you. So they print dollars, they lend, they employ people, meaning there is some money that arrives at people who are working for these projects' wallets. And they operate to some extent in the dark forest. None of them have a banking license and they are making loans like any other bank. So, so this is interesting. So also, so we look at the, you know, mom and pop shops in the long tail, but there is also some projects that are quite large. And I, I like to look at both sides of the, of the, of the power law. So how do you experience the dark forest? So, so now, okay, we have the, this path to resistance. We hope that it brings a better way. So how do we get there? You know, what do you need to do? Where is it? You know, <laughs> where's the entrance to the dark forest? So I did these things with some people, a friend who is an influencer <laughs> helped me. He interviewed me on his podcast. And basically we asked people to earn 10% of their income or one, uh, 100 euros, whichever is higher, from something other than a regular job that they do. So they can do the same thing. If they're programmers, they can program outside of their job. But the goal is not to get a bonus from, from your boss, but to find something on the market that you can do and earn 10% of your income. So what was the experience of those people that finished this challenge? They have learned that they can produce value outside of the corporation, outside of the office, mostly by interacting with other people. So welcome to the dark forest. And they have realized that it exists and that it works. They can actually earn income, some income from, from, this, from these interactions. So none of them went and asked the state to give them the business license to be able to do whatever they were doing. They were just say, oh, you have a wedding, you need photographs. Okay, I can, I can be your wedding photographer. It will cost you this much. You know, ah, you need a help with Excel. Okay, I can help you. Oh, you need to repair your phone. I can help you with that. So these people experienced that they're able to find an income and create value in this way, in peer-to-peer -peer interactions outside of corporations, outside of employment, and also outside of normal normal kind of entrepreneurship or state licensed businesses the next thing that they have learned is that for most of them they have done it in less than 10 percent of their regular working hours so it took them less than 16 hours to make this 10 percent so they realized that they're more productive they spend less time and they made more money per hour than in their regular job. So, because that's another fear, you know, oh, I have an employment, I know I can do, you know, I can help other people around, but it will not make, uh, make me enough money, you know? But they realized, okay, I spent four hours to make this 10% of the, of the income. So I'm, uh, I'm four times more effective <laughs> in making money in the dark forest. So this thing not only exists, it allows me to produce more value and there's a reason for it and the reason is not only that they didn't probably pay any tax on it but the reason is that they were able to use their unique ability what they're what they're good at so 
Why is it? Because the division of labor and specialization is based on network effects. So first of all, if you have this peer-to-peer -peer network of interactions, it is much better than a hierarchical corporate structure. So why is it? If you are a programmer and your employer pays you for eight hours every working day, and you don't have anything to do for two hours, they say, oh, maybe you should go to the post office or oh, come with me to the customer, you will help me sell the product. So if you are a programmer and you are selling or you are going to the post office just because someone bought eight hours of your time, that means that you are doing something that you are not great at. It's not your unique ability. So basically, you're, you're very unproductive, but you sold eight hours a day. So you do it anyway, of course. So in this peer-to-peer -peer manner, we are more able to, to expand or to use our, our specialization, our unique abilities. And then if, you, if we have these peer-to-peer -peer interactions, the, then in a larger, more interconnected network, so not a hierarchy, but, but the whole dark forest that uh, can be interconnected, we can make full use of our unique ability. Bitcoin, Monero, and all these other projects are the dark forest money, and that connected the whole dark forest. So before it was a plumber and it was a cash interaction, but now I can operate in dark forest and interact with people globally. So the network just expanded globally. And that's, if you know how network effects work, that is, that is amazing. So it's like a network of fungi and the, and the money, they're moving this energy, this uh, creative force around the dark forest. So I would like to talk about adoption. There's a lot of talk about the institutions, ETF, basically the big corporations. And people are asking this question. I'm not going to talk if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Of course, it's a bad idea, but it will happen anyway. But the question is, okay, if we have this global money, can a bunch of OTC traders and bottom-up peer-to-peer adoption create a big enough market? Is it even possible? You know, can we, can we serve millions of people and people and bring them this new way to transfer energy in the in the dark forest. So for this, I like to look at the illegal cannabis market. So this doesn't contain the legal part. And it's a roughly $340 billion market. And it has 263 million users globally. Why I'm mentioning illegal wheat? because that's the bottom-up adoption, you know? There is someone growing the weed, there is someone that's selling it to you. So these dealers, this, this bottom-up market structure was able to serve 263 million users uh, and created 344 billion economy just by bottom-up adoption, just by, you know, knowing someone you, who, who you can buy wheat from. I'm, I'm not counting the stores where you come. I'm only counting, you know, the OTC, <laughs> OTC dealers. Okay. So this bottom-up adoption has a decentralized structure, which is called a market. We have to enter the dark forest, it will not come to us. So if you're sitting in a chair and waiting, okay, let the dark forest, where is it? You know, you need to make the first step, you know, the same as with wheat, you know, you need to call someone if you need wheat, you know, you're not going to, it will not just magically appear. So it's the same with the dark forest. If you want to participate, 
you need to talk, you need to look around, you need to identify the needs of the people and you need, you need to make the first step. But fortunately, it's quite easy because we can take the advantage of, of the existing social networks that we have. I'm not talking about computer social networks, I'm talking about your high school classmates, about your friends, about all these people that you know. There's something that is called five degrees of separation, which is about how the social networks are interconnected. It is very easy, like if you need to solve any problem in your life, you know, just ask your friends if they know someone or if they know someone who knows someone who can solve your problem, be the heart surgeon or person to sell you Bitcoin, doesn't matter. You can create OTC groups. You don't need to know anyone from the community. Many people will say, oh, I don't know anyone who does Bitcoin. Yes, but you know a lot of people who know someone who does Bitcoin. So, so use the network effect, not only the, the first step. There are now nice apps such as Vexlab, which helps you automate the discovery using your existing social network. Vexlab is for buying and selling Bitcoin. But the other side of the transaction can be anything. So if you need to sell your old phone, it's a transaction. I'm selling my old phone for Bitcoin. Someone was selling a horse on, on Vexel with all the papers and everything. So just that you know that, that it's very nice. Why is the bottom-up adoption important? I believe that we uh, this liberal democracy has come to a problematic situation and they will need to tax more, they will need to steal more, they will need to inflate more and they're coming for the wealth of the society. Bitcoin to, to me is uh, protection from confiscation, excessive taxation, monetary inflation, capital restrictions, so it's easily transferred across any border and regulatory hell. I have wrote an article, Lunar Punk, and regulatory health. So for people who want these features, not, you know, number go up, but if you are really afraid of confiscation, excessive taxation, blah, 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 you need to have Bitcoin that you acquired peer to peer bottom up, you know, Bitcoin on Coinbase or on PayPal will not protect you from these things. What is interesting that what I, I call this Bitcoin on institutions bank coin. Bank coin doesn't provide this protection, but it costs the same. You know, PayPal is not going to give you 20% discount because they don't protect you from confiscation. It's going to cost the same, <laughs> but, but you're not, not getting the same thing. So also, I think Bitcoin is one of the few things in this world that you can really own, that is really yours and really only you control it. Or, of course, another cryptocurrencies as well. So, in conclusion, I believe that central planning doesn't work. We don't decide design solutions for everyone. We discover the solutions and we offer our solutions on the, on the markets. As, as a product or service and the feedback is our success or, or failure in both solving others' problems and solving our problems. They, the central planners, are very slow to coordinate. They are in these weird uh, four-year cycles and they're what is 
also important they are more interested in their place in the hierarchy than in us you know they they they're not focusing on you directly they want to have power and be high up in the hierarchy if you don't care about the hierarchy and you don't and you don't threaten their place in the hierarchy usually they leave you alone of course it's better be safe than sorry also when we talk about regulatory hell between states they are in a form of this kind of anarcho-capitalism. So there is a strong competition between states. So when people say, oh, what if European Union introduces central bank digital currencies, which C.1, they're slow to coordinate and it will probably not happen very soon. But if it does, all the other countries, they can say, oh, perfect. Now, now we have refugees of people who hate central bank digital currencies please come with all your money, live in our beautiful Caribbean island or wherever we, wherever we are. So it's very difficult to create a cartel. It is very difficult to enforce some draconian rules because people can easily move someone, somewhere else and make a ton of money doing it. So tax hells automatically create tax havens, regulatory hells create regulation-free zones. And one of the regulatory free zone, regulation free zones is the dark forest, which is not a state. It's, it's this very hard to grasp network of interacting energies and people. You can enter the dark forest barefoot like elves without a cell phone. That's the plumber. <laughs> but if you use technology, it adds the ability to teleport. You can, you can participate in dark forest interactions with someone that is living far from you. So technology really helps. So it expands it to the entire planet. Lunar punk is a combination of cypherpunk and solar punk. So what I like about it is this cypherpunk is this very individualistic thing we all want to be free that's why we started this place you know we want to use these technologies to get more freedom for us but then events such as eth prague happened here and you you have seen this you know that this whole place was full of full of plants and it was very very positive very cooperative there was like crowdfunding and doing public projects together and and this energy so Lunar Punk kind of combines these. I, I stole the idea from Rachel, <laughs> but, but I really like, uh, like this combination of, okay, we are not only individuals. We need to cooperate and we need to build something together. So these two things combine and, and they, they allow the dark forest to emerge from these interactions. It's not created, it's not, uh, you know, it's not invented, but it emerges from, from what we are doing by using these technologies. So what's the path? So, okay, I, I said that you need to take the first step, but what's, what's the path there? Of course, it's good if you start with Bitcoin, money as it should be, or good money. But use Bitcoin also as an entrance to the social network. It's not only, you know, oh, perfect, I hodl my Bitcoin on my hardware wallet and now I'm waiting it out until everything around me crashes and then I'll be rich and everyone will be poor. Yay! <laughs> 
No, it's about it's about meeting people. It's about like when you when you when you do, for example, these these OTC trades, you meet people. You say, ah, okay, you want you want to sell me Bitcoin? Why are you selling it? Oh, I need to pay rent. And what are you doing, by the way? Oh, I I'm a good plumber. Oh, nice. I need to fix something in my house. And <laughs> and by by participating, but by, by using Bitcoin as a social network, you are participating in this economy. And all these people probably have made the first step to the dark forest also so it's it's if you if you kind of follow them when when they're going you will find the path to the dark forest much more easily then another good entrance is the stepping out of hierarchy so when i when i did the challenge to to make 10% of your income it had nothing to do with bitcoin it could be cash it could be whatever it i didn't even mention bitcoin in in this challenge so it was for people to kind of see how it looks in these peer-to-peer -peer interactions when you step out of the hierarchies and i think that's also a good first step uh, many people want to step out of kind of state hierarchies as well so that's a that's a good start if you are looking at solutions that don't require state services maybe that's a good first step then you can maximize your potential by, by providing goods and services in the dark forest doing things your way you know you don't have a boss you can do it however you want you can dedicate yourself to your unique ability if you do that you will probably make more money and definitely create more value then you can do things like jurisdictional decentralization in the world, which is called go where you're treated best and meet people who have done the same thing there. Very good first step. See you in Paraguay. <laughs> and, and then also there are these nice social networks emerging. One of them is Noster, which kind of avoids this cancel culture and, you know, the, the shadow banning and this corporate control about your identity and about your interactions. But also I would consider, and it is very underrated, to interact in social networks in encrypted chat groups, such as Simplex, Signal, Element, whatever flavor you use. Telegram is not an encrypted messenger, please delete it. Anyway, so so these interactions are also nice and uh, and the group network effects are great so go there or create group discuss offer your products and services and that's a good way that leads to the dark forest as well so i think that's that's it from me thank you very much thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode of the option plus podcast I hope you like this talk about Lunar Punk and Dark Forests and all these other topics and ideas. Please let me know, write me an email, contact me through my website or leave a review or whatever. I'm interested in your feedback if you find these topics interesting and if you found value in it. Thank you very much. If you are a regular listener of this podcast or if you found value in this podcast there is a really easy way to show your support and help us grow download any podcasting 2.0 app such as fountain or breeze they work both on ios 
and Android, and then follow the Option Plus podcast and start listening. You can share your thoughts on this episode by sending a boost, that's like a payment with a message, and see what other listeners have to say or create clips of the best moments. Getting started is easy. You can top up your fountain or Breeze wallet with a Bitcoin Lightning transaction or even a bank card. I hope this podcast brings value to you and it would be great if you can support this podcast by paying us this value. You probably spent some time listening to it, so you already demonstrated it is not worthless. So it would be nice to reward the podcaster, in this case me, with what this podcast is worth to you. The alternative for podcasters such as me is advertising and with podcasts that are created for the sake of advertising, you become the product and not the customer. I would personally like you to remain a customer, not a product, and I would like your support in allowing this podcast to continue in a sustainable way. Try it out. Thank you for listening.